It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Monday morning to you as we welcome you along on the last Monday in September and my thanks to John Paul for sitting in for me last week when I managed to get away for a little bit of late summer sunshine and in the week that I was away it was as if winter arrived in Ireland. I can't believe how cold it is since I've come back and even looking at the temperatures uh, for today at 14 to 15 degrees and for the rest of the week it's looking pretty much the same. Um, temperatures have really started to dip and you can really, really feel that nip in the uh, air. John Paul is back taking your calls at 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well throughout the morning to 0862 103 103. all of the papers are picking up on the story. I know we've been covering it all uh, weekend and this is the story in connection with a man uh, in his 20s. He was arrested after a car struck a pedestrian and damaged several parked vehicles in an incident that happened on McCurtain Street in Formoy on Saturday afternoon. Now joining me is a local Formoy councillor, Noel McCarthy. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Thank you very much. Now, the video footage of this, because it was taken from various different angles and obviously, as what happens with all this video footage, it gets shared very quickly on social media. And it was really, really frightening to watch, particularly when you were thinking half past three on a Saturday afternoon, busy time for McCurtain Street, busy time for the centre, for the centre of most towns. It's busy on a Saturday uh, afternoon. But it's fair to say that this was a very unusual event for a town like Formoy. Yes, sir. Uh, um, if you can just move slightly there with your oh, phone, sorry, it's, uh, yeah, Patricia. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, you're okay now. Yeah, you're perfect I'm now. Sorry yeah. about that. Sorry, it was, it was just an unfortunate instance. I said on Saturday afternoon, people got it, it, they were shocked and frightened, as you can imagine yourself, Patricia, to see this thing happening. As one woman said to me, I wasn't on the team myself, but as one woman that was there said, no, she she possibly seen something that she only watching TV. It happened so fast. People were frightened, roaring. And I think the social uh, media videos of it really outlined it. And I think people shouting at people to stay on the footpath, I think, saved life. Because, you know, you, know, you want to react, you want to stop your car getting, a, getting hit and damaged. I think the advice that people were giving to stay on the footpath, I think saved lives because it was unfortunate. And hopefully the person that was his will make a quick recovery. And that's the most important. 
Yeah, I mean, luckily, not as you say, no lives uh, were lost. Were there many cars damaged, Noel? From what I'm here, Patricia, about eight to ten. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, there was. It was. It, it happened so fast. It was frightening. Like, and, and I just want to get the opportunity. This was, a, I, I think, a, just an unfortunate that happened. Thank God, no one was seriously hurt or lost of lives. But that's not a thing that happens in Femoy on a regular basis. So I hope anyone won't be put off coming to Femoy because it, it was just unfortunate what happened on Saturday. Yeah, and as I mentioned, the, the, the guy in question is before the uh, courts, so uh, no doubt more will come out um, about this particular case, so we don't, we don't want to get into anything no. else about what's going on uh, there. But the Gardaí are uh, looking for anyone that perhaps has dash cam footage. Yes, and they're looking for witness, more witnesses to come forward, and I think that's very important that they would help the Gardaí. Um, and, and just like what I want to give a, a praise to the Gardaí that came on the scene, they did the Uh, situation except for how quickly uh, the Gardaí reacted and as you say hopefully to that to, to the one uh, gentleman the pedestrian who was injured hopefully he'll make a full uh, recovery listen Noel thank you for that and thanks thank for joining us uh, this morning thank good morning you. to you bye bye that is uh, from my councillor Noel McCarthy and as I say that um, guy in his 20s is before the courts in I think the, the courts in Mallow uh, today if anything breaks on that story this morning we will bring it to you and also just over the weekend wasn't it absolutely pitiful to once again see the former Good Shepherd Convent site on the north side of uh, Cork City set ablaze yet again and of course when it happens again you get more calls for something to be done and some kind of a development uh, to be progressed at this site. The latest fire began in the early hours of uh, Sunday morning and by all accounts it was visible across most of the uh, city and well done to all the firefighters who had to go out and battle the blaze. I'm told around 20 personnel had to, were used to put out the fire and many of them the, the, the fire happened at about, I think it was after 3 o'clock in the morning but seemingly early on Sunday morning there was still about a dozen firefighters left just making sure that they could dampen down the fire so it was quite a substantial blaze and reading a piece in the examiner today by Noel Baker the local city councillor Kenneth Collins. He says it was the fourth blaze at the site in recent years and that fires of that magnitude pose a threat, not just to the integrity of, remember what is a listed building but it's also a concern for people and homes in the area Uh, and I won't even get into what it's doing for the carbon emissions and what it's doing for the fumes that will be going up into the air when you get a fire uh, like that. Now, Councillor Collins said the fire was likely caused by anti-social behaviour and he says the owners should now develop it or else he's calling on Cork City Council to take it over. Now, the developers are a group called Amanda. They secured planning permission through on board Panola in September of 2018. And at the time, there was a proposal to build 234 apartments on the site. And as I say, they got planning permission back in 2018. 
We're now talking four years ago this month since they got that planning permission and nothing seems to have been done with the site. And when you end up with a derelict site like that, that's what happens. It leads to antisocial behaviour. And how many more fires are we going to have on this listed building before something is uh, uh, done? So uh, hopefully, hopefully that will be the last fire. And that something will, action will be taken either by the developers to go ahead and build those departments that they have the planning permission for, or as Councillor Collins says, that uh, Cork City Council uh, somehow take it over. 0818103103. John Paul is taking your uh, calls. I can already see, I mentioned when I was chatting with Ken earlier that we will be talking with the CRU this morning about smart meters. About a million homes now have a smart meter installed but it seems that for the majority of us, and I say us because I have also a smart meter installed about a year ago now, uh, we're not using it as we should be using it and uh, we're trying to find out why and what we need to be doing and I can already see some questions coming in. So if you do have a question or a query about smart meters, get those into us. Lots and lots and lots of commentary about uh, tomorrow's budget in all of the papers and it is looking like families with toddlers and teenagers are to be the big winner in tomorrow's uh, budget. It's expected to be a 10 billion euro budget bonanza. We have never seen anything like this before Uh, and of course it's all going to be trying to help tackle the cost of living crisis as we've been reporting all morning on uh, in on our news all primary school children will be getting free school books every year now that will be from next uh, September that's seen as, as a historic move which will obviously eliminate that annual cost for uh, parents a further reduction in the primary school class sizes that's also due to be announced uh, tomorrow a boost in spending on special education we're told it'll lead to the creation of 360 70 more classes across both primary and uh, secondary uh, schools. Schools are in line for higher capitation uh, grants to meet the spiralling bills. Now that certainly is going to be welcome because we've spoken with principals in both primary and in secondary schools who are really, really struggling with the cost of their electricity bills and the cost of their heating bills. But under this, the free books initiative, what will happen is that schools will receive grants to bulk buy and then distribute books and the associated workbooks and they'll get this uh, special grant for books. I'll get that on an annual basis and as I say that will kick in next September. Now parents and child advocacy groups have been campaigning for years and years for free uh, school books and I know certainly it was an issue which the Education Minister Norma Foley had been personally uh, committed to so it certainly is good news for primary schools. Somebody said is there any mention of free books at secondary level because they're, they are the ones that are really really expensive at the moment no is it something that perhaps they'll tackle into the future maybe but for now the focus seems to be on primary school children and then if you go down to the younger children childcare costs are also to be uh, reduced now the full details of the childcare scheme that has still to be uh, decided and um, the they were up to late last night the leaders of the three coalition parties were all still in meetings to sign off So and more I, I w- would say more discussions to go on today but under the childcare scheme they're looking at reductions somewhere between 20 and 25% for parents again that's not expected though to kick in until next year childcare costs at the moment range anything from 700 euro 
to €1,200 per month. Now, that depends on the facility, also depends on the part of the country that you are in. But And the amount that the fees are to be reduced by will depend on the amount parents are currently paying. So on average, savings will be somewhere between €160 and €200 per month. That's what's likely to be announced. But as I say, that's not going to kick in until next year. If uh, anyone going to third level, if you have a son or daughter going into college, the cost of going to college is to be reduced. Again, this has been uh, spoken about for quite some time. The registration fee of €3,000, that's going to be reduced by €500 to €2,500. That's something that the Higher Education Minister, Simon Harris, has been fighting for. The Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, she's secured funding for a double payment of child benefit. That's going to be rolled out, it seems, to all families in November. And then, obviously, also under social protection, it's expected that all social welfare payments will be increased by at least €10 per week. However, this was still up for discussion by the government leaders last night. There will also be a large increase in the point at which people pay the top rate of tax. It'll be closer to the 40,000 mark in the budget. At the moment, what happens is the higher 40% tax rate kicks in on incomes over 36,800. It's expected that that'll go up by 3,200, which will bring it up to the 40,000 mark. It's also expected that there will be additional tax credit for renters. There'll be a lot of people waiting to hear what's going to happen here. Anything between 200 and 400 with that final amount is still to be agreed. On the old reliables, expected the pack of cigarettes will go up by 50 cent. That will kick in. You can be guaranteed from tomorrow night, but there will be no move at all on uh, alcohol, on uh, excise uh, duty. But a lot of people on the social welfare, uh, they're saying, because traditionally it's been the fiver, isn't it? Tradition that they've given, but they're saying now it will be at least 10 euro. But if you look at people like Sites of Vincent de Paul, if you look at Social Justice Ireland, uh, they certainly were seeking at least uh, 20 euro of an increase in welfare. And I thought an interesting point that was made by Social Justice Ireland that somebody who's living on a social welfare payment of 208 euro a week, that's kind of what the flat rate is for most social welfare for a single person. The 208 euro was buying them more than what, what they're getting now. They reckon that €208, Euro, now their buying power, that's down to about €188. Euro. So, you know, Social Justice Ireland are saying the least that somebody on social welfare will need would need would be €20. Euro. But I was listening to an interview with Heather Humphreys, the Social Protection Minister, over the weekend, and she certainly has ruled out that it will be as high as €20. Euro. And she made the point that if she was to pay €20 Euro to everybody on social welfare payment, it would leave her with little else uh, for any kind of increase across her department so I think the 20 euro is certainly gone will it be the 10 euro or will it come out at 15 euro will they give maybe more to older people Uh, maybe give maybe 15 to people on the state pension and then 10 to everybody else across uh, the board but it certainly is looking like it'll be more than the fiver 0818 103 103 your thoughts and wishes for the budget tomorrow you can text her whatsapp to 0862 103103 
103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. As the main tourism season draws to a close, hotels and guest houses are reporting skyrocketing costs with the ongoing worry that energy prices are projected to get worse. To get an overview from the Cork Hotels, I'm joined by Joe Kennedy, who's chair of the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation and he's also general manager of the Maldron Shandon Hotel. Good morning to you, Joe. Hi, Patricia. Good morning. And to you. Uh, thank you for taking our call. We're hearing from some hotels, Joe, of electricity prices up by over 400%, gas prices over 300%. Is it becoming impossible for some hotels to continue with what are unprecedented bills? Well, uh, certainly, Patricia, as I was just listening to your last commentary there, the, the budget, there's a lot of riding on the budget tomorrow, um, not just in the hotel industry, but as you're um, across the country. Like, it's great like that people are getting some indications at the moment, particularly around childcare and books and so on and so forth, that, that help is on the way. Uh, our industry has um, got given, we, we got the opportunity in January of this year just to, to get going after a really, really challenging couple of years, really, in all... Um, in all foreign forms of the hospitality industry, and uh, currently our challenges have not—they haven't—they um, haven't softened really. They're getting a much, much worse. Uh, recently, I suppose we we enjoyed a lot of pent-up demand around the country after people lockdowns and restrictions were were eased, uh, and we see that this pent-up demand now is 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 plattering out, and we are now challenged with a lot of increases and particularly as you as you as you alluded to uh, 400% in electricity prices and gas prices of 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 300% since 2019 is unsustainable for our industry. Will the next few months be a very difficult time for your industry? Um I absolutely absolutely I I suppose if we if we look to more rural um, parts of, of of Ireland outside of Dublin because uh, I suppose that's that's where uh, occupancy will be challenged um particularly in, in rural tourist destinations where 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 would they would have enjoyed a real a, a positive summer um and that's that that was great and um people are back to school people are back to work so that's where the occupancy challenges will really um will be challenged and prices don't seem to be like particularly under the under the line for businesses that they're not getting any easier. Um, a lot of our members in 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 in, in outside in the county county of uh, uh, Cork are experiencing uh, uh, prices in in expenses that they just have it's unprecedented. And uh, something hopefully will be done about it tomorrow. And the government will will go the extra few miles with the industry because we're very we're very reflective on the, the, the very good support that they've helped us with over the, the years in COVID and lockdown. And we hope tomorrow that they will continue that support and and go the extra few miles, as I said, into twenty twenty three into twenty twenty three. Actually, since you mentioned COVID, Joe, is is would you say this is even worse than the darkest days of the pandemic? Um, it certainly is, is 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 up there with it. I suppose we're 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 in when we were faced those dark days with with um, you know reducing our teams and so on. Now now this year we've we've got managed to build our teams back up, and this challenge of expenses um, being unsustainable will challenge our sort of team building. It might challenge the opening hours of the, the of, of a, a business. 
um, because they just can't stay in opening times when when they mightn't be it mightn't be just worth opening. Like you know, that's that's how bad it's getting at the minute. And it's across like the majority of the hospitality sector is that we're seeing that that that's going to happen over the next few months if if something substantial is not done tomorrow. Yeah, you'd worry about uh, hotels reducing hours or maybe closing on, on some days. The knock-on effect then is they won't have as many hours for their workers. And there's been an ongoing yeah. issue, hasn't there, in getting staff to work in hospitality? Well, uh, like we've, we've thankfully we've, we've put our best foot forward this year as, um, as, as, an, as an industry um, employer. And we've, we've got the opportunity to rebuild our teams. And we would hope that that would continue, to be fair, because... Um, the, the, the industry has been has enjoyed a, a pent up demand, but these challenges are putting us under um, enormous pressure to relook really at that um, side of it. Just to, to be conscious of the hours we're opening and maybe the hours that um, that that we're open for the public. That it, it, that's where you have to analyse your business now, and particularly if you're not if you're not being, like there's only a certain uh, price you can you can charge for a cup of coffee or a toast. A sandwich, so on and so forth. So that's 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 really going to be the, the challenge people over the next few months, particularly where occupancy is has really softened in, in rural parts of Ireland. And the VAT uh, cut for the tourism and hospitality sector. Reading the papers this morning, that looks like it's not going to be extended beyond February. I mean, I, I assume you'd worry about that. Again, that's that's um, that's part of our sort of um, our, our challenge over the years. We've been very fortunate that they have reduced it to nine percent, but the nine percent really pretty fits in well with the the the, the Europe standard of rate. Um, we if if we're put back to thirteen and a half percent, we we are outside of Denmark, the second uh, highest VAT rate in Europe, and the, the unfortunate. Um, um, sense of that, Patricia, is that like a lot of the the, the, the commentary from the, the the increase in the VAT rate has come out of um, Dublin prices, which we don't um, we don't support. Like you know, um, this this word of price gouging and so on and so forth. I think the government are are they're collectively looking at the industry, which that 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 is doing that, but that's not is not the case. And it's it's unfortunate the government can't look at it in that way. Like you know, but hopefully they might get a change of heart tomorrow and keep the VAT rate at nine percent, which is key. Yeah, because because sector. definitely that price gouging that was going on in in Dublin. I mean, everyone seems to have a story to tell around the Garth Brook uh, concerts. Uh, but it would be awful if hotels outside the pale were paying the price for that. Absolutely, absolutely. And if we bring this back to again rural. Out County Cork, West East um, uh, Cork. There is no Garth Brooks concerts in West Cork. There is no Garth Brooks. There's no uh, um, uh, concerts of any sort. So, like in fairness, to, to, to blanket the industry with the the the, the, the message has been has been wrong, really. Like you know, and I, I hope that I hope they see sense tomorrow and they don't. It might they, like it's due to go back up from the end of February, but they might hopefully introduce tomorrow that it will stay at nine percent. We're still hopeful, um, and I think that it's it's the right it's the right uh, fat rate for 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 our industry. As I said, outside of Denmark, if we go back up thirteen and a half percent, we'd be the second highest in Europe. And the way that the way I look at it as well, I suppose personally, is that if people if the if the increase in prices is challenging us as an industry, then that four and a half percent unfortunately will will go back onto the consumer. And that's what we don't want to do, like you know. That's what we—it's—it's—it it's, um, will challenge the pricing decisions again. So, so what are you looking for, Joe, uh, tomorrow from the government? Obviously, help with the energy uh, costs. Mm, 
definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think there, I think there, I think there'll be a, a, there's a mention of BESS um, um, coming coming t- uh, towards all businesses, and they'll have to judge that accordingly, I suppose. But definitely, um, uh, business energy subsidy. Uh, hopefully, that the, the, uh, the employer PRSI, we've we've asked for a break in that. Um, the, the rates is, as well to wage waiver to keep that um, um, uh, off the, the radar for another while, like you know. But definitely, it's just if they can just. If it, we need them to be imaginative for us as well. That it's not just look every, and they need to be fair in, in their distribution of the the subsidies to our, our our industry as well, which would be great. I don't think uh, Joe, I ever remember a, a budget that is so much anticipated by every single sector uh, of society. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Patricia. And 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 to be outside of, and I go back to your comment before um, um, I came on here this morning. It's it's widespread. It's it's across all all sectors, all all people. So everybody is sort of everybody is it will be tuned in tomorrow, um, and the government hopefully that they'll get they'll hit the right note with 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 with, with people around Ireland because there's no doubt that people are people are suffering, um, and hopefully look as as a lot a lot pending on tomorrow. Yeah. It is unprecedented because definitely my own. I'm 33 years in this industry. I haven't uh, come across a budget like it. Um, and particularly when there's so, there's so much at stake for, for people, uh, which is widespread. And we also know that the money is there. I mean, the, the exchequer surplus of 4.4 billion. I mean, there's talks that tomorrow's budget will go to 10 billion. So we know that the money is there, but it's just how it's going to be divvied up and how it's going to be spent. That's 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 it in a nutshell. That's in a nutshell. Okay, we we, we will we will await we will await with much anticipation what happens tomorrow afternoon. Yes. In the meantime, Joe, I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. No problem, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Joe Kennedy, general manager of the Maldron Shandon, but he is also chair of the uh, Irish Hotels Federation here in Cork. 0818103103. John Paul taking calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, are you one of the almost one million households that has this smart meter in installed but are not using it as intended. So to offer us advice on our electricity smart meters I'm joined by Carl Richardson who is Head of Communications with the Commission for Regulation of Utilities the CRU. Good morning to you Carl. Good morning. Uh, And you're very welcome to the programme. Okay let's start at the beginning. Once a smart meter has been installed what does a customer need to do? Well, I suppose, given a bit of context, like smart meters are part of a six-year, really big infrastructural program of replacing every meter in the country. Uh, and that's with the, the objective of giving benefits to, to consumers, the economy, and also the environment. So at this point in time, we now have over uh, just nearly a million meters installed at this stage. Uh, and the point of a, a smart meter is, is, is how people can see their usage how they can adjust their usage of electricity and how they can get the best out of their electricity usage. So it, that, that comes down to, obviously, the data that people will see and uh, uh, coming through their smart meters. And, and while the, the, we're at the very early stages of, I suppose, that journey and that customer journey, it's a six-year long one, we're into probably just, just under two years, um, people will be able to see as, as this sort of evolves where you'll see much greater offerings from suppliers about and how they can you know, save some money, 
obviously adjust their usage uh, to times when it's off peak and be able to get the best out of their of, of, of their electricity usage that suits their needs. But is it up to the customer to contact their provider to say, I have a smart meter installed, talk to me about smart tariffs? Yeah, and I think I think like like any 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 uh, I suppose and, uh, consumer is you get the best out of it by engaging with your supplier and finding out what the best available prices are out there. So when people get a smart meter um, installed into their house, as I said, it's a part of a meter replacement program. A lot of these meters were old meters anyway. Up to seven hundred fifty thousand had to be uh, re uh, um, obviously replaced anyway. Um, you'll be able to. Um, Talk to your suppliers. So you should, one, get a notification from the ESP networks about it actually being installed or just as it's been installed. Then within three months, a supplier should contact you. They're mandated to contact you. So whoever your supplier is, they should be contacting you to let you know that you, one, have a smart tariff, and then also to make you aware of the different smart tariffs that are available to you. And as, as people start to see access to the data and what their usage is, you'll be able to find a, a tariff that suits you. And probably the most important thing, as I, as I mentioned, about active consumers get the best out of, of everything. Uh, I think as as the, the market evolves and, and suppliers start looking at, at what sort of different offerings, they'll probably be able to offer you different tariffs. If, if they don't have a tariff that suits your needs and it doesn't compare favourably to what you have, you don't have to move on to a smart tariff, but but when they offer you, you'll see that some suppliers will offer better tariffs than others. And much like looking at, I suppose, anything as regards suppliers offer you, you should look for another supplier who will offer you a better tariff. So it's, it's pretty much the same, I suppose, as, as we advocate, you know, that 10% of all and 12% of all electricity and gas customers switch every year. You get the best out of the marketplace and best value by switching supplier. But I read, Car, that only 4% of people have signed up for time of use uh, tariffs. Would that lead you to believe that any energy suppliers are not explaining to customers about these smart tariffs? No, I think I think we're probably, as I said, at the probably start of the journey. Uh, and as it continues to evolve, more people will, will actually be able to see the benefits. I think the important thing to remember is, of those 950-odd thousand that have been installed, over 100,000 people have signed up to uh, interest for, for smart tariffs. Now, what that means is they've let their supplier know that they are interested in smart products and that supplier, and now they are sharing their usage with that supplier. So the supplier can look at the usage, see what tariffs are available and offer a tariff that might suit best suit their needs. So I think we're probably... I'm probably at that stage, as you said, just under 40, 40 just under 40, by 38,000 have signed up for those time of use tariffs and those different price plans. Um, but once, uh, you know, as it continues to evolve, uh, evolve even further, people will see probably greater value by actually taking some of those tariffs. And plus suppliers will also start to see, you know, see the value in having those customers move to time of use where electricity is a little bit cheaper for them to use. Like, for example, now some suppliers are offering free Saturdays, uh, so free electricity usage on a Saturday, which is certainly something which uh, I think a lot of people could see the benefit of. Um, but I and can that's based see, on Car- sharing that I, data. Yeah, but I can see, Carol, a lot of listeners are making the so- same point. If you opt for the lower price off-peak like that, say getting free electricity mm-hmm. on a Saturday, does that then mean much higher charges for peak times? 
Yeah, I mean, I think part of the objective of smart meters is to try and find the best available time of use for 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 um, for all customers, and part of of that is is to get the main to get the benefit. It will, it will mean a certain change in behaviour. So that doesn't mean that everybody is going to move everything from five to seven. People cook their meals and do washing and between five to seven. But to get the best out of it is, is moving some of those activities from away from the five to seven period. And that will mean that obviously you, you get the benefit of, of a, a lower usage outside of those peak hours. It does mean that you know if, if you don't move in a part of that behaviour, you won't see the, the benefits um, and, and even including financial benefits unless you move outside that. So yeah, it's, it's probably not for, it's not to penalise customers, it's about actually probably finding the most optimum time for them to use time of use and their electricity usage and shift some of that electricity usage to get the full benefit. Okay, let's see if you can answer some questions coming in from listeners. Neil uh, says, Patricia, if I chose not to have a smart meter installed when they came to my area, will I have to foot the bill for installation when they become compulsory in 2024? No, well, nobody's, well, the starting point is nobody's getting charged for putting in uh, smart meters or using smart meters in that way. I think, as, as, as I mentioned at the start, 750-odd thousand of those meters had to be replaced. So eventually all meters will have to be replaced just because they're old analog, parts wear down, they're not as, as, as usable and the software runs out and, and the general, you know, anything has, has a lifespan as well. So all major meters will be uh, replaced as, as we go through. And I think no customer is going to get charged for, for either the installation uh, of a smart meter. So in reality, when a smart meter is put in, it can sit there on the wall. Um, <clears throat> I think the one important point is that people should know of those 100,000 that I mentioned that are sharing their data, what their they're benefits are getting right now is they've signed up for sharing that data with their supplier. It means then that they will automatically get meter reads, which means none of the, um, uh, as, as I always call it, the dreaded catch-up bill. So sometimes if you don't submit your meter readings, <coughs> excuse me, you don't submit your meter readings, um, you, you get an estimated bill. You get the estimated bill, yeah. And you get, well, and you get that catch-up bill. And, and what that's doing now is that meters, without doing anything, it's giving that benefit to consumers so we won't see any of those further estimated bills. Well, I was, surpri- I, I was surprised to hear um, one of our listeners, Maureen in Skibbereen, contact us to say that she had a meter, a smart meter installed about five months ago and she got an estimated bill about two weeks ago. She said, I tried ringing Electric Ireland, wasn't able to speak to anyone as I was number 20 in the queue. I sent in my meter reading online, still no answer. I've also emailed customer service, no answer. Uh, now I feel like stopping my direct debit in order to get some response. I dread to think what the next bill will be as there's a big difference between the estimated and the current reading. Uh, please, can you offer me any advice? No, I, I, well, I think that's certainly something she needs to obviously continue with her supplier. I, I, know, I know from from a smart meter perspective is that once, once you have, with your supplier, agreed to sign up and share your data, that should be the end of any estimated annual bill that they should receive and no catch-up bill. So that might be well be an issue with the supplier and their own, I suppose, obviously, customer communications and how they're, they're recording these. But from a smart meter perspective, and once you're sharing that data, that shouldn't be the case. So that's something she certainly needs to take up with their supplier. But she's finding it impossible to take it up with the supplier because nobody's answering phones. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's a challenge, I suppose, with, with all customer care and, and large utilities as well. I think it's it's something that if, if that continues to be the issue, she, she, we, we do we do also have our own customer complaints uh, section of the CRU. If she's not getting any further, I suppose, um, a response from her supplier, um, please make make us make us aware. And, and all of those details are on www.cru.ie, and she'll be able to see the customer care facility that might be able to help her. Okay, Dan says, hi, uh, question for Carl, please, on smart meters. Why are customers with smart meters installed not being allowed to take out a smart meter tariff if they don't sign up for direct debit payment? Uh, I think there's, there's, that may well be, that'll come down to different offerings from different suppliers. So some suppliers may give those discounts for direct debits. It shouldn't be a penaliser uh, for people taking out smart tariffs. And certainly that's something that, uh, that's that's a new um, point that I've heard, I haven't heard before, but but certainly if that supplier has continued to to decline that opportunity, switch supplier. There's a, yeah, switch supplier. I think nothing uh, shouts louder than than walking feet of a consumer, and I think that's that's certainly something they should take up with their with their uh, supplier. Okay, Mairead says I have a regular meter. I'm on a standard 24 hour rate. How do I get night saver rates? That's up to speaking with your. <laughs> individual supplier isn't it? it it is it is and they should offer a range of different tariffs that she could that may well suit her needs um uh when a smart meter is installed when they are eventually all rolled out those options there will be more options available to her uh, and i think uh, that she'll find that there may well be better better opportunities with her supplier and even her other suppliers that might offer something a lot more amenable to what her usage is Someone else says, my mother was asked for €500 Euro to remove her old meter. Do you know if that is correct? No, that is that is certainly not. ESB networks um, do not make any charges. And any, uh, I'd be interested, I'm sure ESB networks would certainly be interested to hear that. There is no charge for either the installation or removal. Uh, by ESC networks of any meters. So that certainly should Yeah, be and, and I can vouch for that. I had mine. They came in, replaced, took away the old one, replaced the new one, and it was all done <clears throat> very quickly, exactly on the time that they said they would be there, and, and there was certainly absolutely no charge. Uh, Kevin says, why does Electric Ireland significantly increase standing charges when you choose a lower cost plan? I think it's down again to different suppliers. Um, some suppliers will will offer a, a have in place a higher standing charge and maybe a lower tariff and vice versa. It's down to individual offerings to meet suppliers. Um, standing charges involved and part of those standing charges are the network charges and the, I suppose the cost of the wires which every consumer has to pay. But some suppliers do increase those standing charges. But then they will combine that as part of, I suppose, their overall offering to each consumer. So when people are looking at those standing charges and those tariffs, and you compare those on, say, some of the accredited websites uh, like Bonkers or Switcher, that will take account of the combined cost of the tariff, the unit charge, and also um, uh, the standing charge. So we'll be able to see that. So, so but. But certainly, it's again looking at your supplier, looking at what those standing charges are, and comparing them with those tar- with sorry the unit charge, and see what is the best value. Okay, do you have to be? Do you have to enter into a contract, says the listener, in order to have a smart meter? Not as regards a smart meter. 
and so that's only uh, the only that that is through the network and ESP network. So there is no contract involved in that. The only contract that may well be involved is with your supplier. So if that supplier, when you have those uh, meters swapped out, um, they will essentially just be going on your wall, and and it will continue the continuity of your service with your supplier anyway. But certainly, there's no contract with ESP networks, and it's about the direct contract that you might have with your supplier. Okay, and somebody else says they've had a smart meter installed, but it is up seven foot high. It's not very accessible. The information you're talking about, though, you don't need to look at the meter for that information. No, you don't. And, and what is what is happening? Your, your supplier, um, ESP Networks, has that obviously data, and it's obviously secure. It's not shared with anybody unless there is an opt-in, and you give your permission for your supplier to see that data. So that's the hundred thousand figure that I, I talked about earlier. So no, there's nothing to see on the meter at this stage. As I suppose, as meters evolve and the market evolves and the different tariffs uh, that suppliers are offering continues to grow. Different offerings and, and different suppliers may well offer in-house readings that maybe a couple of years down the line. But but what is happening as well, ESB networks are developing a, a data portal uh, where people can, and who are signed up and in those 950,000 um, metres, can actually gain access and see what their usage is and be able to receive a little downloadable file which you can actually share then with your supplier. So they can may well be able to tailor and look at a, a, a specific tariff that suits your needs as well to help you save some money and obviously move some of that usage off peak. So there's nothing to see on them at this point in time. They are just essentially transmitting securely the data to ESB networks and it's not going anywhere until you opt in and, and give a decision to let your supply, supplier see that uh, data. But until you start sharing that data, I suppose, can't receive the full benefit uh, of, of smart meters. Um, so that's certainly something in, that will evolve over the next couple of months and years. OK. All right. I've got, I've got to leave it there. I'm up against it on time. And my apologies, listeners, there's a whole load of questions coming in for Carol. But I have to leave it there. Listen, Carol, thank you for that. And uh, we might have you back on the programme again. But we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. No problem. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Carl Richardson, who is Head of Communications with the Commission for Regulation of Utilities. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A break and we've news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Huge, huge reaction to our interview with Carl Richardson's Head of Communication uh, with the CRU about smart meters. So much so that I think we may need to have Carl back on again because there's just so many different questions coming in, even though I can see from a lot of the questions, it seems to be uh, questions that are more need to be put to your energy provider. But then as some people are having difficulty getting through to their energy provider, even though Carl uh, Richardson did, did say that if you go to great lengths and you still can't get through to your energy provider about a query, you can get on to the CRU. They have a section. Uh, where they deal with uh, complaints from people with dealing with their utility companies. So please do bear that in mind. Just some of your calls and comments, though, coming in about it. Morris says, uh, when Carol says moving to a smart meter will not increase the cost of your monthly bill, Morris has said when he got a leaflet that came with his smart meter, when he read through it, he felt that his bill would increase by a good amount if he moved over to the smart tariffs. He's remained with the same tariff instead. But 
then Nuala in, in Middleton said she switched to a smart meter. It was done automatically for her. She got a letter from the company that just came and did it. And we live in, oh yeah, that was how she got the smart meter installed. She said when she was switching providers, she moved to Electric Ireland, who gave her a package which gave her savings because she has a smart meter. She said it certainly seems to be working out well for them as their bills are much lower than they were previously. So she's happy with her smart meter and the tariff she's on. Uh, Eleanor and Carrie Galine said uh, some senior citizens who get a home benefits uh, package where they get so much towards the cost of their electricity. But she says with everything going up at the moment, there's no such thing as free electricity anymore as it's been swallowed up by the standard rate price increase. And she's feeling very sorry for older uh, people. Hi, Patricia. Does anybody know why you can no longer see your projected use on Electric Ireland at the moment. I don't know. And again, that's something you'll have to take up with Electric Ireland. Hi, Patricia. I'm not sure that the guy from the CRU was at much help about smart meters. His reply to the woman who can't contact her supplier was, tell her, take it up with her supplier. And I did pick him up on that. And that's where he did say that you could get on to the CRU. Um, But actually, saw a couple of other people in response to that lady, uh, if I can remember, was it Maraid was her name? Um, if I can find, oh, I can't remember the lady's name, who uh, has been trying to get through to Electric um, uh, Ireland. Uh, a couple of people are pointing out because she's trying to get an accurate reading, even though she's a smart meter, so I can't understand on a smart meter, and neither could Carol Richardson from the CRU understand how with a smart meter you're getting an estimated bill, but she says she is, uh, and she's trying to ring them by phone and is not getting through to anyone. A number of people have pointed out that you should send in the reading by post, and you certainly will get an updated bill then, because everybody lives in dread of a series of estimated bills, and then finally a catch-up bill arrives, and it could be astronomical. Someone said you Utility suppliers are becoming a minefield like health insurers. That's why we have brilliant companies like Bonkers.ie that we often uh, speak with or uh, Switcher.ie. There's a lot of those online uh, companies that really do help you to try to find where you will get the lowest rate depending on your usage and how many people are in your household. Willie then was on. He's living in a one-bedded apartment and his energy supplier at the moment is Bort Goss. He rang them with a query about his bill two months ago and they told him that Willie has had a smart meter installed. But Willie says they couldn't tell him where his smart meter is and he's not able to find it. uh, So he doesn't know where it uh, is. Now, as far as I know, and I'd have to check with uh, John Paul because he lives in an apartment. All the smart meters in apartments are generally speaking together. You'll find them somewhere. Yeah, usually like where John Paul lives, they're downstairs, they're all together. But I would suggest, uh, Willie, whoever you rent your apartment from, if you're renting, they'll be able to tell you where the smart meter is. But if it's in an apartment block, they'll all be together. And I'm assuming they're numbers to show which smart meter is uh, yours. Someone else says, Patricia, I thought ESB networks are installing the smart meters for free. It is totally free. There is no charge to get a smart meter installed in your uh, house. I, I was really taken aback by somebody who said her mother was asked for 500 euros to remove the old meter. That certainly has nothing to do with ESB networks because they come in, they'll take away your old meter and they will install your new meter and it c- uh, costs you absolutely nothing. 
Someone else said, why do energy suppliers not present data from smart meters in a format aligned to the various usage time charging uh, options? Yeah, and I, that's the one thing. Make it as easy as possible for people uh, so that they so that they know how much they're being charged, when they're being charged, when they're using the most electricity over the times when they're not using as much electricity. And of course, we're all being told uh, that we should try and move as much of our electricity use away from the peak times which is between 5 and 7 uh, in the evening even though I did see that ESB networks who are responsible obviously for all the smart uh, meters they're now working on developing what's called a customer data portal which will give people real time information about their electricity use and I think that's what everybody wants the portal will be online and it'll also be in an app form and it can, will be used by customers whether or not they have a smart meter or not and ESB Network say it will provide customers with online independent access to their consumption uh, data. Or, sorry, that was a quote from the Department of the Environment. And I know straight away we're going to people saying, what if I can't go online? But at the moment, they, what they're working on is a portal that's only going to be for online. And seemingly they've been using it already, doing early trials and early trials that they've asked people to to use this portal say the customers actually cut their peak time use by 8% when they realised they were going to get charged more for using it between 5 and uh, 7. So we'll let you know if we get or hear any more and I'm assuming there'll be some kind of a campaign a publicity campaign by ESB Networks to tell everyone about this portal that will go online that people will be able to use and be be able to see in real time the information about their electricity uh, usage. Uh, Someone else says why do energy supply Oh, sorry, that's the, that's the one I've just read out. A lower user, says somebody else, won't save much because the standing charges are very high and most people are having an evening meal at peak times. It's the hardest thing, isn't it, to reduce your energy usage between five and seven, particularly as most of us, you're right, have dinner. You know, gone are the days when we used to have dinner in the middle of the day when you went home at one o'clock and had your dinner. All of us, it's, it's certainly the cooker is going between five and seven, but I suppose if you can cut any other kind of usage, like don't have the dishwasher on don't have the washing machine on certainly don't have the immersion or the dreaded tumble dryer on between 5 and 7 I mean that will be one way of reducing at uh, peak uh, times Okay some of your WhatsApps in on this and says Patricia I had a smart meter installed over two years ago you were one of the first to get one in and nobody else in my estate has had one installed I'm wondering why it was installed in my house I have no idea Anne why you were uh, selected as the only person in your estate uh, to get a smart uh, meter. Hi Patricia, listening to that gentleman from the CRU talking, oh no that's on, sorry that's on a different one, that's on, I'll get to that one in a moment. Uh, this is from Councillor Declan Hurley, it says good morning Patricia and welcome back, thank you. Interesting interview about the smart meters. I've been made aware from constituents that meter readers are calling to houses, taking meter readings, these are people who have the old meter don't have a smart meter in and yet when their bill arrives, their bill has been estimated. Now house- householders are nervous when an actual bill for usage is issued. It's going to be an enormous bill. I've tried contacting Electric Ireland about this but can't get through or wait long enough for somebody to answer my call. Uh, Regards Councillor Declan Hurley, another person. Electric Ireland seemed to be getting really bad with customer service. It sounds like, remember the good old days of air when people used to be complaining about air and air had to to up their game. They had so many complaints about... about customer service. It looks like Electric Ireland seem to be following suit because Declan, you're not the first person this morning to say they're having difficulty getting through to uh, Electric Ireland. But that would be a worry. If a meter reader, somebody's coming out to read the meter, 
So the meter was read and then an estimated bill arrived. That makes absolutely no sense at all. 0818103103. And then I have some commentary in reacting to my interview with Joe Kennedy when we're talking about the Hotels Federation and how the hotels and hospitality sector are really crippled and really struggling at the moment because their electricity costs have gone up in some cases by over 400%, gas prices up by over 300% and there are unprecedented levels of bills coming in and the danger is that we could lose uh, some of some of the businesses within the hospitality sector and spoke with Joe and what they're looking for out of the budget uh, tomorrow. Now I have to say flurry of texts in with not a lot of people having sympathy for the hospitality sector. Somebody said, I was listening to the gentleman about the hospitality sector. They thought nothing about fleecing the people during the year and got very greedy when everything opened up. The cost of hotel rooms tripled in price. I'm not feeling sorry for the hospitality industry. Well, they say that a lot of the price scourging went on in Dublin and certainly in rural Ireland, hotels did their best to try to keep their costs as low as they could. But of course, with everything else going up in price, Obviously, the knock-on effect was they had to put up hotel room prices. But I don't think in rural... Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, but anecdotally, the evidence seems to be that it was Dublin was the one that were really upping their prices and now the rest of the country is going to pay the price uh, for it. Jim says, uh, Patricia, um, if... If he thinks that the government will increase the hotel industry VAT rate from the current 9% to 13.5%, which is what the government are talking about doing next March, and it's justified with the hotels charging extortionate rates for hotel rooms, especially for concerts and matches, says Jim. Well, somebody else who doesn't have uh, sympathy, Pat from Jemina, said hotels have been ripping people off with uh, room rates not having a lot of uh, sympathy uh, there. As I say, just some of the ones coming in on hotel uh, prices. Somebody else says they weren't worried about the consumer when they were charging crazy prices in hotels during the, in the summer. And certainly when there was an event on anywhere, prices simply went up. OK, just a sample of some of your calls and texts coming in. And I mentioned earlier in the budget that it is looking like this is going to be tomorrow's budget. It's very much going to be a good budget for families with toddlers and teenagers. It looks like they're going to be the big winners. Somebody says, I wonder, will single men and women get any help tomorrow or is it all going to be given to people with um, families? Well, they are looking at any single person who's renting. They are looking at extra help for anybody is renting some kind of tax credits uh, for people who are renting single people on social welfare certainly will be getting uh, some kind of an increase but certainly a lot of it is being is being aimed towards uh, families and here's the suggestion when it comes to families because one of the ones one of the big big ones and the ones I think we'll be talking about uh, the most is the fact that the free school books for all primary school children from next September that certainly is going to be welcomed by anyone who's got children under the age of uh, 12 somebody says they should maybe put a cap on the price of school tracksuits. I was about to buy a tracksuit for my daughter, who is a fifth class primary school pupil. The shop that sells the tracksuits ran out and all they could offer me was a women's size medium, for which I was going to have to pay nearly 100 euro. While my boys' school 
in sixth class in primary. I got two sets of tracksuits for €100. Euro. The shops are making good profits on them. If I want to order the girls' size, which I need for my daughter in fifth class, we're going to have to wait until December, which is uh, ridiculous. And again, that goes back to the school and a really strong parents' association. It's just maddening to say that schools are still going for these tracksuits that you can only buy either through the school or in a specific local uh, shop and charging huge amounts for tracksuits when you can go into any of the major retailers supermarkets indeed now are selling the tracksuit bottoms and the tracksuit tops I still I get really annoyed to see the schools are still pushing these branded tracksuits if you want a branded tracksuit can you not just get a crest that the parents could sew on to the tracksuit but why we're not using generic tracksuits that you can go anywhere say if the tracksuit is navy in colour go anywhere to buy your tracksuit bottoms anywhere to buy a navy sweatshirt on top and as I say if you want to sew on a crest but actually asking somebody to pay a hundred euro for a tracksuit seems crazy with everything that's going on with the cost of living costs. 0818 103 103. C103 Jobs. Now a play school leader is wanted. It's to cover maternity leave in Skibbereen. Uh, text or call Cora on 087 416 2680. A salesperson is required for PJ Murray Engineering there in Dunmanway. Call 023-8845-436. A night duty support worker is wanted to work three nights a week from 11pm to 7.30am. It's in Cunvera in Fernandes, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre for ladies. CVs by email please to fernandes at cunvera.ie. And an experienced driver is wanted for a busy site in the Blackpool area. You will need experience driving a rigid teleporter 087-165-0527. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie. And I can see uh, we've been talking about the budget, which is uh, happening uh, tomorrow afternoon. But uh, lots of people are asking, you know, do we expect this to go up? Do we expect that to go up? It's I mean, really, there's a lot in the papers today about what is expected to go up and what they're talking about uh, going up. But it's it's, you know, at the moment, we won't know for sure until tomorrow because we know negotiations even today are still going on by the three uh, coalition uh, leaders and the various ministers and the various departments, because all of the various ministers are trying to do their own bit for their own departments. You know, you've got Heather Humphreys fighting like mad to get a good social protection uh, package. You've got Simon Harris, the Minister for Higher Education, doing you know the best that he can do to try to secure as much as he can for higher education. So there's a, there's a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed today before we finally see the overall shape of the budget. Somebody, for example, is saying that you get a €35 a month on the home benefit package uh, do they will that go up uh, we don't know I mean we literally don't know I mean I do know what they're talking about when it comes to energy there will be an energy rebate 
expected to be paid in three installments of €200 Euro this, this year and next year. Obviously, that's to help householders with the rising cost of electricity and gas. A little bit like the 200 remember the electricity credit we got was that back in March, April, wasn't it? And they thought that the government at the time thought that they just have to do that once and everything would be fine. But little did we uh, know how bad the energy crisis was going to get. So it looks like they'll do that three more times. Will they get in two payments before Christmas? Maybe one payment before Christmas and two payments into uh, next year. But they certainly are looking at at least three instalments. So if they do that, and of course that would be a universal payment anyone who has electricity going into their house will be receiving the €200. Euro. And of course, the criticism always of that has been from a pauper to a prince. Everybody is entitled. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. To it, some would say that it should be more targeted, should be more targeted at people on low to middle incomes. Why should millionaires be receiving that money? But the government say the universality of it is the easiest way uh, to do it. It worked very well when they paid out the first 200 electricity credits. So it looks like they're going to do the same again. So if they're doing that, I imagine, I, will they also try to incre- increase the household benefits package? I don't think so. But let's, you know, literally is, it is uh, very much a wait and uh, see. Uh, and we won't till uh, tomorrow on that one. But definitely it is looking like there will be at least uh, three of the 200 uh, euros. Somebody else uh, was asking about uh, will the living alone allowance go, go up again? That's going to be the Minister for Social Protection, uh, Heather Humphreys. She'll be fighting like mad. It was one of the reasons I think that she came out of the weekend when there was much talk about all social welfare recipients getting a 20 euro a week increase and I know that was something like the likes of Social Justice Ireland and Vincent de Paul were calling for but she came out and said no that if she was to give that high amount to everybody on social welfare she wouldn't have very much left to do any 
anything else within uh, social welfare. I mean, I'm assuming fuel allowance will go up. I mean, there's been talks about tweaking fuel allowance and expanding it so that more people would be entitled to uh, fuel allowance than is currently getting it. So she'll be trying however much she has for social protection. She'll be doing her best to try to spread that out as best she uh, can. Uh, so as I say, I, I, so I'm not ignoring the amount of people are saying, in, saying, will this go up? Will that go up? We just don't know. I mean, we literally just don't uh, know. Uh, we have to wait until tomorrow even though as I say a lot has already been uh, speculated 0818103103 and then someone else wants to point something out this is it's related to well, it's related to a pension Patricia a couple of weeks ago you had somebody on from Citizen Information this must have been in one of our Citizen Information slots and he said people who were on carers allowance wouldn't get their stamps paid well I'd just like to tell you I was on a carers allowance for 10 years and then on a disability allowance for four years and I was told my stamps would be paid and I just want to let you know they are. I qualified for a full pension. Maybe it might be worth getting citizens information back on just to reassure people. We certainly can look into that. Thank you for that and thank you for updating us on uh, that. And here's an interesting one on the smart meters. I was of the belief that once you had a smart meter installed that you never again would get an estimated bill, that that was one of the big advantages to having a smart meter because it automatically sends the signal back to your energy provider and they know exactly how much electricity you've used and when you've used it, etc. And then they can send you out the bill. And in the middle of my chat with Carl Richardson from the CRU, he was even surprised to hear from somebody who had a smart meter installed about five months ago and then they got an estimated bill and they're scratching their head wondering how has that happened? Well, this might be the explanation. Patricia, we got one of those smart meters fitted and one day the meter reader turned up at my front door looking to read the meter and I said to the person, you don't need to read the meter, I got a smart meter installed and the person reading the meter said that a lot of the meters are not sending back a reading. So the meter reader will still have to call to your door. All that and the cost of installing them. No wonder the cost has gone up. Now that's something I certainly need to look into because Carl Richardson was surprised to hear that anyone with a smart meter would have been receiving an estimated uh, bill. And I certainly haven't heard of that before, but there's somebody who has a smart meter. The meter reader came up. It was a lady reading the meter uh, who said that not all of them are sending back a signal. We'll see if we can find out what is going on there. And can anybody offer advice to have you a son or daughter or have you yourself studied abroad in Europe? Somebody's looking for information on tuition fees. I'm on disability and very concerned about where I'm going to get the money uh, from. Uh, it's from Dermot from Mallow who's looking for information. I don't know if it's for Dermot himself or it's for a son or daughter. I do know that the Susie Grant, if you get accepted into a college in Europe, the Susie Grant will travel with you and you, you certainly will get the uh, Susie Grant. But I know uh, a friend of mine, her daughter, is studying in Poland at the moment to be a vet and they get the Susie Grant but they still have to pay tuition fees. Now the tuition fees in some depending on what country in Europe uh, you go to are not as high as they are. They're higher in some countries than they are in other countries. So I suppose it very much depends on the country that you you decide to study uh, in uh, and whether you'll have to pay tuition fees or not. So I would be checking with the actual 
college that you're going to to find out about overseas because if you think of the number of students that come from overseas to Ireland they all have to pay huge tuition fees in this country at the moment in for Irish students studying in an Irish college we have the, the are, they, are they still called the registration fees of 3000 which we now know one of the things that should get reduced tomorrow that that will go down to 2500 euro that's one of the things that the higher education minister Simon Harris has been campaigning for but if you are from outside Europe and you're coming to this country to a study, they pay huge, huge uh, tuition fees. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And a reminder that Annalise Drussell, our nutrition therapist, will be joining us after 12 today. So if you have a question for Annalise, you can get that into us. John Paul's taking the calls 0818 103 103. Now, a study on a new diabetes drug has found that it can help to reduce weight by up to four stone in 40% of patients living with obesity. To discuss the results of a trial of this new drug, I'm joined by Professor Professor Karel LaRue, who's obesity specialist at St. Vincent's University Hospital. Uh, Good morning to you, Karel. Good morning. You're you're very welcome. Now, you ran the trial over 18 months. Can you outline the results uh, to us? So in brief, what showed is that if we treat the disease of obesity, the disease comes under control and patients naturally lose weight. And the weight loss on average was approximately 22%. So that's really four stone in most people. Now, it's true to say that approximately one or two people in a thousand um, did not lose weight. However, um, most people actually lost five stone of their weight. So it's really remarkable how this is going to change the way we think about the disease of obesity. So what is this new drug? So it's a natural hormone that you have and I have, but people that have the disease of obesity don't have enough of this hormone. It comes from the gut, and when we eat food, it makes us feel more satisfied. But um, if you have the disease of obesity, the signal isn't strong enough. Now, we have known for some time that if we have bariatric surgery, people also feel less hungry and more satisfied. And it turns out because the same hormones are naturally increased after surgery. And that's part of the mechanisms of how surgery also works. And this new drug, it's, it's a weekly injection. Do, do patients administer the drugs themselves? Correct. Because it's a natural hormone, if you swallow it, the stomach acids will break it down. So that's why we have to give it as an injection under the skin. It hurts about as much as taking your nail and scratching it on your skin. Um, But people do it themselves and we teach them how to do it. And it takes approximately 10 to 20 seconds to give the injection. And how long would somebody stay on the drug? That is the most important question because this is a chronic disease very similar to high blood pressure or high cholesterol. Now, if you have very high cholesterol and you take a statin, that is going to reduce your cholesterol and it's going to make you live longer. However, the moment you stop your statin, your cholesterol goes back up again. And that's going to be the same with the disease of obesity. So if we use this drug, we can control the disease. But the minute we stop the drug, the disease comes back. And that's important because people 
think that these medications will make them more intelligent or more motivated. In fact, all it will do is just control the disease of obesity so people feel less hungry, more satisfied. And it's amazing because patients come back and they say, I just feel normal. And for the first time in my life, I now know what normal people must feel like. Goodness me. And of course, by losing uh, weight, Corral, I take it the patient's overall health improved. Correct. And we are now less worried about weight loss. What we really are focused on is health gain. So how can we use this weight loss to improve people's health? And what patients come back and tell us is the most important thing for them very often is the fact that they can now do things. They can play with their children or play with their grandchildren. They can tie their shoelaces or paint their toenails, <laughs> things that they've not been able to do before. So these are the important things to patients. And is this new, the new drug, can you, what's it called? Um, the drug is called Tazepatide. Um, and at the moment, it's been approved in the U.S. for the treatment of diabetes. And it's available in the U.S but it's still going through the final processes in Europe. So we hope to have it soon, um, but it's certainly all the trial data is very positive. The drug does have side effects like all medication. Most people can feel a little bit nauseous in the beginning um, and maybe some of them can have diarrhea or constipation, either side of those, but those symptoms are mild and moderate in most cases and it goes away. Um, so we just need to go slowly with the medication to control these side effects. And when this uh, tercepapide is available here in Ireland, uh, Carell, will it be available from people's GPs or will they need to go to uh, an obesity specialist like yourself? So it will first become available for the treatment of diabetes. So if some people are living with diabetes and also with obesity, they will be able to benefit first. Because not only does it make um, your weight um, come under control, but it also makes your diabetes come under control. It improves your blood pressure. It improves the inflammation. So that's very positive. And therefore, um, you know, it can be provided by general practitioners because many of them are looking after people with type 2 diabetes very effectively now. But it will also be available in hospitals. But initially, it will only be for people with diabetes. All right, and obesity, does it continue to be on the increase in this country, Kirill? It does, unfortunately, um, but we now have hope. Um, before, we asked people to eat less and move more, and that was about as effective as asking somebody with clinical depression to cheer up. You know, it's just not very valuable. We need to treat people with a chronic disease in a proper way. And that's what we now have with these medications, that we can do, we, we can control the disease. Now, we're not going to take the disease away, but what we can do is we can control it and we can stop this disease hurting and harming people. Yeah, and even to hear, you know, you speak about obesity as a disease. I mean, once upon a time, it would never have been referred to as a disease. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting when we speak to patients like this because um, we say to patients, you know, this is a disease. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And people say by understanding that, it gives them agency. It allows them to take control of this, you know, rather than just beating themselves up um, and thinking, you know, they should just try harder, etc. Now that we know that we can control it, um, you know, it allows people to, to have access to that. Now, it's fair to say not everybody is going to have the same response. 
there's a large number of people that's going to have a brilliant response, but there are some people that's not going to respond to the treatment. And it's not the smart people who listen to us that have a good response and the people that don't listen, that don't have a good response. It really is just biology. Okay, actually, Edison wants to know when you're talking about the disease of obesity, is there a genetic link to obesity? Very much so. So we know that your height is predicted by your genetics. So if you come from a family where everybody is tall, you'll end up being tall. If you come from a family where everybody is short, chances are you'll be short. But we don't go around to short people and say, why are you just not motivated and grow taller? Right. But we also see the same thing runs in families, you know, when it comes to your weight. Um, And again, that doesn't mean you don't have responsibility. It means that you were unfortunate enough to have this disease and we now need to treat it properly and we need to destigmatize the disease. You know, it's not people's fault, um, but it is our responsibility also as society to and my responsibility as a clinician scientist to work harder to find effective treatments for people but it it does not help to stigmatize any disease you know we just need to treat people with empathy and um, patients need to understand that these medications and these treatments and nutrition therapies as well they only work as long as you take it so people have to be compliant with the treatment but if the treatments work it's easy to be compliant okay so this this new drug could be a real game changer girl Yes, and it's actually part of a suite of medications. We call this the third-generation anti-obesity medications. Um, And there's a couple of companies now that have medications in the space, and the pipelines, meaning what companies are developing, is incredibly exciting. So this is amazing, but, you know, in two, three years' time, we'll have even better treatment. And that is going to revolutionize the way we think and we treat obesity. Okay, somebody wants to know when you're referring to treating people with diabetes, is it type 1 or type 2? So it is predominantly type 2 diabetes that's driven by obesity. But what we are now seeing is people with type 1 diabetes. That's typically people who develop diabetes at a very young age. We are now so good at helping them that what we have done is we have maybe unmasked the disease of obesity as well. Um, So now we are seeing more and more people with type 1 diabetes also suffering from obesity. Um, And hence, we need to treat both forms of diabetes um, when people have obesity. Okay, Antoinette in Ahabolic, one of our listeners says, could you please ask uh, the professor about the links that this drug has to cancer? Are there any links to cancer? Yeah. So what we are seeing is that if we treat people with bariatric surgery, especially females, we reduce cancer by 40%. And it's not only female-associated cancers, it's all cancers. We don't see that in males for reasons that we don't completely understand. But so the hope is that when we're going to have these medications, uh, that we will also be able to reduce the incidence of cancer because we know that obesity is almost taking over from smoking as the most important risk factors for many cancers. Now, what we are seeing, and that's why we always have to be very careful when we get new medications to make sure there's no signals that come up in the future. Now, if we treat um, mice 
with these drugs. What we do see is that mice can develop a cancer of the thyroid gland, but that's because mice have different types of thyroids and so-called T-cells. So we don't see that in humans, but we are always very um, alert and make sure that we're not missing anything. Okay, all right. So any, any possible date on when you expect this drug to be freely available here in Ireland? No, I wish no. it was yesterday, but, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it's not going to be long. We certainly would hope that in the next six months uh, that the medication would be approved by the European Medicines Agency and also become available. OK, all right. Uh, well, it's, it certainly is uh, exciting uh, news uh, for anybody who has diabetes or people living with uh, the disease of obesity. Uh, we leave it there, Carell. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Professor Corel LaRue, who is an obesity specialist at St. Vincent University Hospital on that uh, new drug uh, due to be approved soon uh, for use in Europe and obviously then for use here in Ireland. My interview there with Professor Corel LaRue, the obesity specialist at St. Vincent Hospital in uh, Dublin about this new drug, this new treatment for diabetes, a new uh, inj- a once a week injection and it can reduce weight loss by four stone in patients with obesity which is an obesity remember affects more than a million people in Ireland and it's one of the major causes of cancer heart attack and a reduction in quality of life we have a problem with obesity in this country and this listener says hi Patricia Professor Corella LaRue is the best I've ever heard talk about obesity so kind and so intelligent we all need to watch our weight modern diet is very heavy in carbs and sugar I've always felt big I'm slightly overweight, but much bigger than, say, my sister. Despite good diet and exercise, I'm never going to be petite, says this listener. So I've learned that this figure I have is partially genetic. So my heart goes out to anyone who really does struggle with weight. For example, my friend and all of her siblings are all in that obese category. When they were children, their mother fed them well, but fed them too much too often. And it's like they were set up for a life to live with obesity. So please remove the blame and be kind. This drug is certainly good news. Uh, thanking you. And that's, yeah, it's one of the things that Carell says about the stigma that's attached to obesity. And that's why, I mean, certainly in the 30 odd years that I've been doing this show, the way we talk about obesity and we talk about people living with obesity and we talk about the disease of obesity. There was a time when we would have all looked at somebody who had a weight issue and who was categorised as obese and people would have thought, oh, they're just lazy. Why don't they move away from the table? Why don't they just put less food into their mouths? Why don't they exercise more? But it has actually been proven by the experts that there is a thing called the disease of obesity and it isn't necessarily the person's fault that they are so obese. That's why when you see a drug like this, it really can be a game changer. And somebody said, who's making this drug? And I should have, I didn't, I don't think I, I didn't get, and I don't think Carell mentioned it. It's actually Eli Lilly have um, produced this drug and they've obtained permission for the drug to be used for patients with diabetes in America at the moment. And of course, America have a huge problem with a population living with obesity and have done for many, many years. And Eli Lilly now have 
what's been called, they've been given favourable opinion from the European Medicines Agency and it's a little bit like the COVID with the vaccines with COVID. We were waiting on the European Medicines Agency to give the nod and then once the European Medicines Agency gives the nod then it's up to each individual country within the EU including us here in Ireland. So final approval for use with patients in Ireland and indeed other other EU countries is awaited but expect it in the near future so there's no date on it uh, yet. Uh, but it does look like it is going to be a big, big game changer for people living with the disease of obesity. We will keep you updated if any more breaks on that story. But thank you to that listener. As I say, there's no name on it, but that's such a, a nice, um, lovely text. And that listener is right. Remove the blame from people who are living with obesity and for everyone to please just be kind. As I always say, walk a mile in my shoes before you know what's going on in my life or indeed anyone else's life. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. We are looking for uh, uh, questions for Annalise Drissel on our nutritional slot. You can text or WhatsApp the questions as well. 0862 103 103. A break though and news at 12 midday. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and comments coming in on a variety of uh, different issues. Let me look at some of the different issues that are coming in this morning. First of all, Hi, Patricia. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Could you ever tell me, please, what is the reason when one goes to a private health consultant that they'll only take cash or a cheque and they won't accept cards? They do give you a receipt, but it's very annoying. Uh, I suppose it's it's up to individual consultants whether they have the facility to operate a card or not. I imagine if you ask any of the secretaries when you're paying on the way out or on the way in why they're not accepting cards, I'm assuming it's a cost uh, issue in order to have one of those card readers. The consultant, as indeed all businesses, have to pay so much to the banks that they're getting the machines from. So I imagine it is absolutely and purely down to uh, cost. And I, I take it it varies from one consultant. I haven't been, thank God, and touch wood. I haven't had a need to be at a consultant for quite some time. But I'm just trying to think the last time I went to one, did I pay by, I, don't, I, I can't honestly remember if I paid by card um, or by, by cash or uh, cheque but I wasn't aware that many are only accepting cash or cheques have others noticed that and Dee wants to know uh, says welcome back thank you Dee uh, did you fly out of Dublin Cork or Shannon I flew out of uh, Cork and uh, can I say what a joy and a pleasure to arrive back on Saturday even though it was frozen getting off the plane but arrived back and by the time we got off the plane got our bags got into the car and got home within an hour we were back in our own front door and that's just such a pleasure it's the one thing about Dublin airport that while nothing wrong with the airport itself it's just the thought of that drive back down from Dublin to Cork absolutely hate it and it can almost take the good out of the kind of the last day of the holiday when you know you have that big drive ahead of you so to be able to fly out of Cork was great but can I just say that when we flew out of Cork airport the previous Saturday I was a tad disappointed I was looking forward to flying out of Cork airport and the whole of trying to make the whole holiday an experience from the very start getting up to the airport early enough so we could check in our bags and go and 
and have a little spot of lunch and be nice and relaxed before we got onto the plane with Marsha. And obviously, the one, the last thing you need to be doing when you're travelling with Marsha, she doesn't like to be rushed. So you have to give her enough time so she's able to feel everything, know, you know to know where she is and keep her nice and relaxed. And we always try to factor all of that uh, in. So we arrived in plenty of time, parked up the car, checked in our bags and went to go in for some lunch to discover that that main that main restaurant in Cork Airport, while there was lots of people sitting down in there uh, chatting and drinking cups of coffee, it was actually not open. People were relying on cups of coffee from the little coffee vending um, unit that's there. And then the queue at the bar, which does serve food, even though I'm told it's a limited uh, menu, the queue was back out to the gates of some of the some of the departure uh, gates and we just said I'm not getting into the, into that queue so I ended up having to go into you know there's the little news agent there and luckily they do sandwiches and we ended up having to just grab a sandwich and sat down in the restaurant area we we there was no problem getting seats but very disappointed that the restaurant is still closed and I know when the airport started to back open back again people were complaining about that and we were told I'm sure at the time that it was a staffing issue now Cork Airport it isn't their fault because the management of Cork Airport don't run the restaurants or the bars you know, that's contracted out, so it's the contractor who has it. But I mean, if there is an issue at this stage that the restaurants still isn't open, do do they need to go back to the contractor and say, what are you doing? Because it is really, really uh, disappointing. And I'm sure for for foreign tourists coming in and out of our shores as well, to go to an airport and not to be able to sit down and have a nice, relaxing meal, I was, I have to say, disappointed with that. And then when we arrived back on Saturday, I also noticed as we were coming through departures, you know, that little coffee shop that's there where normally if you're waiting for somebody getting off a plane, you can grab a cup of coffee and maybe get a little sticky bun or a sandwich or something. That was closed up as well on uh, and Saturday evening and we were back in at about 20 to 5 so it wasn't that we were back in late but that was also closed so that was the only disappointment but to touch down in Cork and t- uh, to be home in an hour was an absolute uh, complete joy and then a couple of people have been on saying Patricia did you see the price of the St. Patrick's Day parties across the Irish embassies this year. Are we losing the run of ourselves? And one wonders with the way the cost of living crisis is going in our country now, I, I would be very interested to see how much will be spent on St. Patrick's Day parties next March. Because bearing in mind, this, these would have been spent on the 17th of March this year when we didn't have a cost of living uh, crisis. But it's the Department of Foreign Affairs. And I'm assuming they do this every year. They issue how much was spent to celebrate St. Patrick's Day around the world. And they they have admitted that €120,000 was spent at St. Patrick's Day parties at six of this country's most high-profile embassies around the world. The largest bill by far was in Washington, D.C. The St. Patrick's Day celebrations cost almost €50,000. And I, I can almost see people roaring at the radio now when they're hearing me call out these figures. Now, the 50000 what was the breakdown for Washington? 30000 of it was for dining and refreshments. I take it they had very fine dining. There was a bill of 982 for the entertainment. The floral arrangements was €156. Euro. And then they had miscellaneous costs of 18000 across four separate events. Now, obviously, when the Washington, D.C. St. Patrick's Day celebrations, that coincided with the visit of the Taoiseach, so maybe they went slightly overboard for that. Then probably one of our nearest embassies is the embassy in London. 
they hosted the next most costly set of events. €22,148 was spent on four events in London as part of the uh, St. Patrick's Day parties. Costs there were made up of €16,000 for food and drink. Entertainment was more expensive than it was in Washington, 1346 And the flowers came in at a whopping €784. Euro for the London Embassy. There was a further 822 on transportation and then nearly 3,000 classified as other. <laughs> that doesn't say what the other was. Then five different events took place in New York. Grand total there, 15,000. Bulk of that was spent on dining and refreshments. And then to go down under to Sydney, the embassy in Sydney paid out €13,500 to cover the cost. Now they, they got six separate events, though, out of their €13,500 in uh, Sydney. 10000 was on food and drinks. Their floral bill was €406. Uh, Euro, and they had entertainment costs in Australia of 773 The French capital of Paris, they had three different events organised for St. Patrick's Day. In total, they spent 13000 The breakdown there, 3300 on dining and refreshments. 624 on the good old flowers, 1,130 on entertainment and then this other was 8,220. And if you want to find out where did it was the best value for money at all of our embassies on St. Patrick's Day, well, the Canadian capital of Ottawa, the staff at the embassy there need to take a bow because they were relatively frugal. They had four events in Ottawa in uh, Canada and the embassy say in total their combined cost was just over €5,000. €3,361 was in food and drink. Their bill for their flowers, €17. Do I take it they just bought either one bunch of flowers or somebody went out into a garden and picked flowers for free. Entertainment, 602 and then there were other costs, €1,000. The Department of Foreign Affairs say that the Taoiseach, the Taunish, the Attorney General, as well as ministers and Minister of State, all carried out 41 programmes in 64 cities across 30 countries throughout the month of March to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And the Department of Foreign Affairs are at pains to point out that St. Patrick's Day offers a unique opportunity to promote this country's economic and political interests overseas with levels of publicity, cultural activities, diaspora engagement and media attention unmatched by the National Day of any other country. And I know other countries, when they see the publicity that Ireland gets around St. Patrick's Day, particularly the publicity that we get in America and the access to Washington DC and the access that we get to the President of the United States of America, other countries do look on and they are green with uh, envy. But I think because of the cost of living crisis that's going on at the moment and people are really, really struggling, I think some people will find that a kind of a bitter pill to swallow that the embassies could spend that kind of money, €120,000, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. As I say, a couple of WhatsApps in with people rather annoyed about.
out at 0818-103-103. And Joe in Kilmallock was on. He's been following the news on what's going on in Russia and the war in Ukraine. And in particular, the story where uh, Vladimir Putin is doing conscription now. And there's a great fear among young men, I imagine, in Russia. And many of them don't want to go to the Ukraine to fight a war that really they have absolutely no interest in at all. And you would assume many of them think this war is wrong and also they are in fear of losing their life by going to war because so many Russian soldiers along with Ukrainian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians let's be honest have already died and now that there's this conscription going on that they're looking for more soldiers more Russian soldiers to go to uh, Ukraine and because of that there are queues to get out of Russia I saw over the weekend there was a news report of a tailback of traffic of people getting trying to cross the border into Finland and the cars were filled with uh, young men in the main just trying to get out of Russia so that they can't be conscripted into the army. And I was looking at the queue of cars and it was almost a little bit like what happened to the poor Ukrainians when they had to flee but they were they were running for their lives but I suppose maybe some of these Russian men think that they're also uh, rushing, fleeing for their lives as well and seemingly at one stage over the weekend you couldn't get a flight out of any airport across Russia because people men were simply turning up at airports and they were taking a flight to anywhere to, to get out. Well that's got Joe uh, thinking that he says he ha- he would have no problem in bringing any of these Russians who are trying to get out of Russia because they don't want to fight the Ukrainians he'd have no problem with bringing them to Ireland if they want to come here but he's, his fear would be what would happen if you ended up mixing the Ukrainian refugees and Russians in refugee uh, centres uh, because would that happen that they'd both end up uh, in the one uh, centre and how good would that be? I mean, surely the Ukrainians, how would they feel about, you know, sharing the same space with uh, Russians? And seemingly Michal Martin um, in New York said Ireland would have to access whether it will be, would have to assess whether it will be willing to accept Russians who are now fleeing the country. So they haven't said that they have an open door policy for Russians to flee to this country. But Joe is just fearful that, and he's, as he said, he doesn't, he has no problem with Russians coming, but he would just worry about what would happen if we were mixing Russians with Ukrainians. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Donnerail Active Retirement, they're holding their next uh, meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock. It'll be in the Presentation Pastoral Centre, and all are welcome. The Blackwater Family Carers, are, they meet on every second Thursday morning sorry, Tuesday morning from 10am to 12pm in Fomoy Resource Centre and uh, once a month on a Thursday morning from 11am to 12pm in Mitchell Town. If you'd like more information, you can text or WhatsApp Porik on 087 227 The Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, AGM, 
followed by a farmers information meeting will be held in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tomorrow night at 8. Items for discussion will be the new cap scheme, the new ecosystem, carbon credits and an update on the farmers legal challenge. The meeting will be chaired by Dermot Kelleher and all are welcome to attend. And Shambhali Moore Bingo is on tomorrow night at 8. Jackpot 2,850. That's in 48 calls are less. And Team Hopes, they run the Christmas Shoebox Appeal. They're looking to launch nationwide volunteers. Uh, they're needed to form a new team in Mallow and it's to help check the donated gift-filled shoeboxes in one of their new checking centres which is going to be located in Mallow. Uh, for more information, you can call Teresa or Jonathan on Dublin 2940222 or you can email info at teamhope.ie. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. A couple of calls in this morning from the Rathcool area near Mill Street. Uh, with one listener pointing out that the road there was recently resurfaced in Rathcool. Happy days and delight the people in the area thrilled to have the new resurfacing done. But, there's a but, somebody has dumped a bag of household rubbish onto the road. The bag this morning has started to break open. And of course, if you get crows or any other wildlife around, they'll rip that bag to shreds. Somebody's passing it said you can see cabbage and other food hanging out to the side of the bag. Now, one listener said they got onto the council immediately, but whoever they spoke to in the council said that the warden won't be able to come out until tomorrow. And this person said, after all the work that was carried out on this lovely road, it really is a shame. And by the time the the litter warden gets out, that will be in some state. I don't know if there's anybody around locally can go and try and tidy that up because it will be, if you leave it there for 24 hours, if the bag is already ripped and somebody can see cabbage and food hanging out of the bag, you'll get this other wildlife will get the scent of it and it will be shrewn all over the road very very quickly 0818103103 when I was talking about the budget Bridget was on same petition has there been any mention in the budget about the medical card situation with regard to dentists I haven't seen any mention at all about the, the dentists and that's a kind of I don't we is it something that would get dealt with within the budget? Well, I suppose it would be in that they could put extra funding into it. That's an issue that's been going on with the Irish Dental Association who say that the medical card scheme for the for dentists is just not fit for purpose. It's a scheme that's been there for many, many years and it simply is not working. And because of that, so many dentists are opting out not to treat medical card patients. And we have been... It's it's certainly five years, I'd say, since we first started getting calls in from people who had a medical card saying they're having difficulty trying to access a local dentist. And it's just it's getting worse. It's absolutely getting worse. And I also read a piece on the paper that I think is something else we're going to be dealing with in future years. People trying to access a GP. And it is particularly a problem if you relocate in this country, say you get a job somewhere else, so you buy a house somewhere else and you relocate with your family, trying to find an, a GP that will take you and your family on. Most of the doctor's practices are full. They're full for both medical card patients. They're also full for private patients. You ring up a doctor and they simply say, sorry, we can't take any more patients. Our list is full. You're waiting then, I suppose, 
for somebody to die so that slots become uh, available. But that's becoming a huge, huge issue and that's going to be quite become quite an acute issue in rural areas because a rural doctor who wants to retire is finding it hard to get a younger GP to take on the practice. So I think we're going to, the problem that we've been battling with for a number of years with dentists, I think we're going to be battling a similar problem with GPs going forward unless we train more GPs and make the job of working in a GP uh, practice more attractive uh, for young doctors coming out of uh, college. Because I heard of a woman who moved from, for a job, moved from Dublin native of Dublin but she moved to Galway for her job didn't think there'd be any problem at all rang around all the local uh, GPs no sorry she private she, she wanted to be taken on as a private patient and she moved out and rang sort of counties around Galway to see if she could get a GP practice and she couldn't and she's on regular medication she's now had to travel she's to travel back to Dublin anytime she wants to visit her doctor and she's travelled back to her doctor in Dublin for repeat prescriptions crazy situation and uh, she said but she's tried everything and can't sign on with a doctor and that's reflected uh, right around the country back to ESB bills uh, Katie in Formoy was on to say she got her ESB bill on Thursday and written on it it says your meter was read even though she's a smart reader but I think that's what comes up when the meter was read it's 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 read automatically it comes up that it was read even though while news was on at 12 midday there uh, John Paul downloaded his last bill just to take a look at where it says uh, and he's got a smart meter and he's just noticed on his last bill it said it was estimated for two days so do I assume on those two days that the his meter just wasn't sending back the signal as we discovered this morning when somebody had somebody knock on their door to do a meter reading and she said you don't need to read my meter I've got a smart meter and they said not all the meters are sending out the signal that your provider needs so there I suppose we're still at the early stages of the smart meters they're still rolling them out so it does look like there's going to, to be an, some more tweaking done to the smart meters 0818103103 and I mentioned earlier something that's expected to be announced in the budget tomorrow and it certainly is going to be a good news story for anyone with children in primary school in that the state is going to provide free school books to all primary school children from next uh, September it's expected to be announced in the budget tomorrow and it'll be the first time in the history that the state has has assumed responsibility for the cost of school books and obviously it will bring Ireland into line with other European uh, countries as well as many other countries across the globe we're a bit of an outlier in that we expect families you know so much for free education but by the way you have to buy all of your school books so it certainly is going to be a good news story for families with children in primary school but John Fairhill was on to say that the publishers who publish the school uh, books they can make very minute changes to a school book which means they have to bring out a new edition it results in the next years students not being able to pass on their books maybe to a younger sibling or to a neighbour's child the way it used to be years ago you rang around the neighbourhood to see if anyone had all in the cooking because you needed it and somebody would, would have one that they'd be able to pass on but because they do all these tiny changes John uh, says that rules out the books ever being used again and the next family and the next set of children coming up students coming up have to buy new books John reckons that this needs to be tackled a little bit like the government are talking about tackling the energy co- companies he reckons that the publishers of school books 
also needs need to be taken on. He feels it is a little bit of a money racket and something needs to be done about it. Well, thankfully, from next September, please, God, uh, we won't have we certainly won't have the problem of families having to pay for uh, school books. And thank you also to the mum that had contacted us earlier. And I was annoyed when I read the text about the tracksuits costing so much money, a school tracksuit. And the added problem was that when this mum went in to the shop that sells the school tracksuit to discover that they were sold out of all the tracksuits that would fit her daughter who was in fifth class and all that she could be offered was a women a woman's tracksuit which was going to cost nearly a hundred euro in a medium for older children and if not she's got to order it and she's going to have to wait until December and she said what she did instead was she went in and bought a in, into she, said she went into Dunn's was it and she bought a royal blue tracksuit you know tracksuit bottoms and a, a sweatshirt which is almost like what the school tracksuit track is until she can get the tracksuit in that has to be ordered from the shop but she says that when her daughter goes to school in the tracksuit she's been reminded that she needs to wear a proper tracksuit which is crazy. Well it is crazy when you've done your best to try to purchase one and it, they won't be in the shop until December. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just annoying. It's just still annoying that some schools and a lot of schools have been really, really good about that, allowing the generic tracksuits to be used. But obviously all of them, all of the schools have not gone down that uh, generic route. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Let's take a break and we're back with Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. Court today on C one oh three with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C one oh three. Just when I mentioned that the free books for primary school is expected to be announced in the budget tomorrow, somebody says, Patricia, I hope that the free books for the primary school children will be better organised than the free school uh, transport. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so, uh, too. Even though I have also read that a significant package worth tens of millions of euro uh, will be set aside for school transport and they say it will allow the Department of Education to prioritise late eligible children and those on concession tickets because it's those on the concession tickets are the ones who are certainly missing out the most uh, this year. 0818103103 Let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Valencolic where Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist uh, joins us. Good afternoon to you Annalise. Good afternoon Patricia. And you are very welcome and straight in with questions for you. Marie has been on to say, could you please ask Annalise what would she recommend for rheumatoid arthritis? I've got very sore, painful hands says Marie. So there's different types of arthritis Patricia. There's kind of the wear and tear arthritis that comes with age or if you've been very sporty or active or physical in your job. And then there's rheumatoid arthritis. So this one is different because actually the damage is done by your own body's immune system attacking the the cartilage of the joints. So with rheumatoid arthritis, you need to not just have a kind of an anti-inflammatory and joint support approach, but you actually also need to support the immune system. And I would say that um, I would say at least half, if not even three quarters of the clients that I see for autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis and others like lupus and um, they have got food intolerances and they have gut issues. It's a big, big there's a big link between the two and I think the theory is I suppose that 
most of the challenges to your immune system happen in your gut because that's it's all bacteria and other things are coming in with the food that you're eating. So we have a very strong immune system in our gut. And if that gets overstimulated or disruptive, it seems to be that maybe it can kick over then into being hyperactive and actually starting to attack your own cells. So this is the theory. But I have to say I do see a huge amount of gut issues with um, autoimmune clients. So I would say definitely deal with the gut. That's really, really important and move any drivers, remove drivers that might be driving inflammation and that would be typically food intolerances and when I do the tests here in the shop, the blood tests, the ones that come up the most really are egg and dairy, gluten a bit and wheat a bit further down, pea is another big one but nearly everybody has egg and dairy as as a food intolerance so look at those, take a nice natural anti-inflammatory so we love um, turmeric as an anti-inflammatory, fish oils are fantastic for autoimmune because not only are they anti-inflammatory but they help to balance the they do immune modulation they balance the immune system boswellia is another lovely natural anti-inflammatory so our favorite one here probably is the nutri-advanced curcudine it works very very well um but you can get lots of different products in health stores so long as they've got a good combination and we love the unocardio fish oils because they're so strong vitamin d is a must for anybody with an immune uh, autoimmune condition i say that most people a thousand i use is enough but you may need more if you've got an autoimmune condition so i'd suggest you get your to check your vitamin d levels and um, then in terms of other immune boosters make sure that you're taking your vitamin c and zinc in the winter so when you're on those drugs you don't get sick yeah and now is the time for you would recommend everyone being on a vitamin d with the sun gone Yeah, I think, well, we'll have stores, but I do think we'll probably start running out by the end of this month, definitely by the end of October, because we had a good summer. So I wouldn't leave it any later than the end of October to start taking a vitamin D. But if you want to be sure, start taking a lower dose one now, maybe 500 IUs or 1,000 IUs would be plenty. Now, John in Milford said a couple of months ago, you recommended a winter wellness cough bottle. John has been unable to purchase same. Is there anything else on the market? He says they contained com vita and he also thinks it had some manuka honey in it it did it was absolutely fabulous and they did a few different ranges with mullion one had a marshmallow and they were brilliant and we can't get them at the moment so um we they do i have the suppliers seem to think that they'll have it back within the country within another month or so but i was told not to hold my breath so nah. i'm not sure what the problems are so and um, manuka honey look manuka honey there's a lot of research behind it there's actually more manuka honey in the world than there is manuka honey produced so you have to make sure you're getting a good quality one in a health store and they're very expensive and personally i can't really see is there a massive benefit over good quality natural unpasteurized local honey which you would pick up for probably a fifth of the price of the manuka honey so get yourself a jar of local honey that hasn't been pasteurized and then a nice cough bottle, Irish Botanica, a lovely Irish company. They do one called Botanical Syrup. That's a really nice one. Pucca also do one which is called Elderberry Syrup. That's another lovely one. And then the last one is by a company called Otosan, O-T-O-S-A-N. And it's called Fortus, F-O-R-T-U-S-S. And they are all lovely natural cough bottles. Um, the Irish Botanica, Botanica is great if you've got a very irritated 
itchy, dry cough. So it's not just chesty with mucus, but you've also got that hacking, dry cough. That's a lovely one for that. And that one is called the botanical syrup. Okay, Ben in Mallow has a good healthy breakfast of a porridge. She likes to put a banana on top with a dessert spoon of nuts and a dessert spoon of cod liver oil. But because he likes his porridge piping hot, he pops it back into the microwave. But he's now worried by microwaving the cod liver oil, will he take away the full effect of the cod liver oil? Yes, actually, you should really very rarely heat um, fats like that uh, because you can cause damage to the structure of the fat. And in actual fact, they then become what we call trans fats, which are more damaging to your heart, they say, than smoking cigarettes. Now, I don't know how long he's nuking it in the porridge, but what I would suggest is put your porridge together, leave off the cod liver oil, and then if you want, you can add it once it comes out of the microwave, um, you know, if it comes out of the microwave, maybe he might be adding a bit of milk or something. Um, add it, or add just it, take it separately yeah. to be on the safe side. Really yeah, nutritious. or add it at the very end as as yeah. as, 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 a, as your piping hot porridge comes out of the microwave. But don't, but don't microwave it. OK, Mary in Carrigaline suffers with sinuses and she says, is it unusual to get a swelling between the eyes when you get a sinus attack? Yes, and it's very painful. And actually, that's a sign that it is extremely swollen and inflamed in the sinus passages. So you can feel your sinus passages when you press up in your eyes, there's little kind of holes there um, and they can become very full of mucus and very inflamed. So probably what I would suggest there is doing a steam inhalation uh, with maybe some eucalyptus, um, some tea tree oil. Um, don't use too much of it because if, there, if there's a lot of inflammation, you'll be very sensitive. But that kind of steam with a few drops of that will help unblock it and help the mucus start flowing. And then I love the Dr. Claire uh, Mucotone and she also does a congestion blend. Either of those are great, full of herbs that actually help to dry up that sinus. And you could use um, a sinus external rub. Actually, Dr. Claire does a sinus and chest cream that's very nice. But you actually could probably just make your own if you put a a few drops of that eucalyptus oil into a little bit of cream and just use it as a rub and just rub around the area and that'll help to drain it as well. Jerry wants to know what would you recommend for a broken collarbone? Now his collarbone was broken and it healed but unfortunately it broke a second time. He's looking for something to strengthen his bones. So the Okay, so when you're when you have a broken bone and it's healing, it's very important to take something like vitamin C because we always think calcium for bones, but actually calcium needs to be laid down on a matrix of collagen and vitamin C is very important for that. Otherwise, it becomes brittle and it doesn't have that elasticness. You need elasticity, otherwise when you hit a bone, it'll break easier. So I would suggest for the healing vitamin C and Dr. Claire actually does an osteo tea, which is full of um, a herb called... Um, uh, knit bone which is comfrey that's a lovely uh, herb to help bones knit back together strongly so he could try that while it's healing and then in the long term not a big fan Patricia of taking high doses of calcium for bone health because it does increase your risk of heart disease and plaque build up so I would suggest that somebody takes at the very minimum a vitamin D3 and a vitamin K2 and then increase the amount of calcium in the diet um, obviously we know the calcium all comes from our dairy products but if you don't take a lot of dairy you'll still get calcium from things like nuts and seeds particularly sesame seeds um, linseeds chia seeds almonds are very high as well in calcium 
All of our green leafy vegetables are great for calcium. Lentils and peas and chickpeas and beans, they're all great source of calcium as well. Hummus is fantastic if you like hummus on um, an oat cracker because the oats and the hummus would be full of calcium from sesame seeds, chickpeas and the oats itself. So you can see there's lots of ways you'll get calcium in the diet and try and avoid taking a tablet unless you're expressly told to by your doctor. Okay, one of our listeners has a suggestion for uh, coughs and sore throats. Uh, What would Annalise think? A raw onion chopped up small in a clean jam jar. Fill the jar with honey, pop it into the fridge, take spoonfuls of the juice and keep making up a new mixture. It's great for sore throats and coughs. A combination of onion and honey. Possibly, like onion would be full of... um something called allicin which you also get in garlic and you can buy allicin actually as a supplement on its own in a health store and garlic would be a common supplement to take um, for the winter months for immune system so there would be low levels of of allicin in garlic in the onion if you wanted to make it stronger you could replace it with garlic and it would be better again so that's how that would work and some people have even said putting a raw onion into your sock at night time is good for a chest but I've never tried that one now myself <laughs> We'll pass on that one Lorraine has a, a five year old little boy started big school in September he's exhausted in the afternoon he is a fussy eater is there any supplement that Annalise could suggest? Yeah the um, Animal Parade actually do uh, uh, gummies for kids that they love and it's a great multivitamin and it's got everything in there vitamin D, C and zinc for their supporting their immune system plus all the other uh, vitamins that they need so something like that would be a great one um, you can get other supplements too but it's about making sure the kid will take it so um, I think kids are better with things like gummies or if you could get a powder that you can dissolve into yogurt. I know BioCare do a fabulous children's powder um, that doesn't taste, it tastes great. You can just stir it into um, a little bit of yogurt or something. So, um, but we do sell a lot of the Animal Parade. They do a gummy and they also do a kind of a chewable and kids go mad for them. And it's a, a very good quality one. Okay. Too. All right. We'll leave it there, Annalise. Thank you for that. Have Thanks. a lovely week. Pleasure. And we'll chat again next Monday. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And Annalise will put up online on her website, healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio. Uh, she'll put that up uh, later on this afternoon, as indeed will John Paul uh, put up our slot there with Annalise as a podcast. That's where we leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Work today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.